Hello, this is Aaron Bounds, pastor of the Anchor Church located in Zanesville, Ohio. I want to say thanks for tuning in today. I hope this podcast inspires you, encourages you, and helps you to live the life God called you to live. Let me know the Lord is good. His mercy is everlasting. Oh, come on, it's the first Sunday of the year. Let's make, let's make His name known among the people. Declare His good things among His people. Oh, we love you. You've been so mighty, mighty good to us. We worship you, Lord, on this day. We praise you, God. The book of Galatians chapter 6, I started last week teaching about the law of Christ. The book of Galatians chapter 6, if you would turn there, and uh, we will also be reading from the book of Romans in just a little while from um, the book of Romans chapter 8, Galatians 6. I do believe that in these next few months, we're going to see tremendous growth here at the Anchor Church. I really do believe that God is going to move among us. He really is. And I want this text to be in your spirit, considering the next few months. I was praying right there one day, and the Lord spoke to me about the, the altar that Elijah built and he, he prayed on. And uh, when he said, Lord, I pray that you would hear me pray that these people's heart would be turned to you again. There are many people that had their heart toward the Lord that their heart is no longer toward the Lord. Confused on how to live and what to do. But when Elijah built that altar and was commissioned to the Lord to repair the broken altar of the Lord, when he prayed, the Bible says the fire of God fell, licked up the wood, the water. It licked up the sacrifice and it licked up the stones. It is a hot fire to melt stones. And God spoke to me that you can build an altar so hot that it can melt the hardest of hearts. And in one altar, in one revival, in one prayer meeting, the heart of an entire nation turned to the Lord and fell on their knees and said, It's the Lord. He is the God. The Lord, He is the God. How many know He's worthy of our praise? There's power in a prayer revival. There's power in a prayer meeting. Come on, people aren't so far gone that we can't pray them out. Prayer changes things. And in this text, he said in Galatians chapter 6, verse 1, Brethren... If a man be overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual, ye which are spiritual, not those that are carnal, filled with self-consumption, but those that have sought the Lord are seeking the things of God, not consumed by media and worldliness and carnality, but those that know the heartbeat of God Spiritual people, he said, restore such an one in the spirit of meekness, considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. Verse 2, it's a commandment. Bear ye one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. I want to fulfill the law of Christ. Oh, let the church say amen. 
Oh, I want you to shout a hearty amen. amen. Tell your neighbor, I want to fulfill the law of Christ. You may be seated. I want to speak to you on the subject in this two-part series about intercession. Intercession. The book of Romans chapter 8, reading with verse 26. Romans 8 and 26. It says in the word of the Lord, Likewise, the Spirit also helpeth our, what? Infirmities. Infirmities are weaknesses. It's, it's, it's weaknesses. It can be sickness, but it's a weakness of the flesh. It's when the flesh can't do what it needs to do. It's when you can't seem in your flesh to get better. He said, likewise, the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities. There are times in our life that we find circumstances, situations, family issues that we do not have the answer for. Over the years, I have seen us label moves of God uh, incorrectly. For instance, if we baptize 10 people in the next week, we're going to be calling people and say, man, we are having revival. How many know it's true? We are having revival. We see a dozen people on a service get filled with the Spirit. Move of God. You know what we're going to say? We're going to call and say, we are in the midst of revival. That is not revival. That is the product of revival. When someone is revived, they are brought back to the state they're supposed to be. We will have a series of meetings and someone will come and preach for us and we'll say, hey, I want to invite you to revival. Truth of the matter is what you're saying, I'm inviting you to a series of meetings where a preacher is going to preach to us, are you ready, and get us back to where we're supposed to be. Revival and the purpose of revival is to revive what was once alive. Can I say to you, it's not the will of God that we have to be revived every three months. It's not the will of God at the first of every year. We've got to get revived every few months. I think sometimes holidays we push the Lord to the side and even the will of God because we've got busy family social gatherings that, that sometimes we don't fulfill the will of God because we have cultural expectations and our, our prayer wanes and our, 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 our ability to focus on what God is doing wanes. And, and uh, you know why? Because we are, we are culturally driven. I will say to you today, I don't believe that it's the will of God in 2024 as I teach you today about intercession, is that we have a two-month focal point and the rest of the year we do the things of what we want to do. I believe this year we do need revival to get back to the place of prayer that we're supposed to be, but I believe it's not so, supposed to be a prayer life that we develop, but a life of prayer. That we begin to walk with the Lord Monday through Sunday. That this isn't a Sunday event. This isn't a January, February breakthrough moment. I believe God wants us to become the church, be the church, and watch what happens when the church becomes the church. The gates of hell shall not prevail when the church is upon the rock. 
I come to tell you I believe it's a year of release that God is going to break through barriers that have held people back in walls for years. I believe it's going to be a jailbreak situation where people that have been bound by sin, people that are bound by confusion, people that have been away from the church because of offense and bitterness, that every chain that the enemy has put upon them is going to be broken. Their eyes are going to be open. The jail says they're going to open. I come to tell you it's a year of release. Somebody shout amen. How many have a family member you want God to move upon? Oh, wave that hand with, with passion. How many of you have a saint that you used to see in the house of the Lord? They're not here. They're, they're, they've, been, they've been overtaken in a thought that you would love to see them back in the house of the Lord. Would you wave your hand? He said, you who are spiritual. He said, you who are spiritual. Not just go to church. You can go to church and not be spiritual. You can sing songs and not be spiritual. You can be the preacher and not be spiritual. You can teach Sunday school class and not be spiritual. The, 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 the whole concept in Isaiah is seek the Lord while he may be found. Let's turn to the book of Isaiah today. You will grab your Bibles with me and turn to the book of Isaiah. Praise the name of the Lord. Isaiah 55 and verse 6. Isaiah 55 and verse 6. How many want this in your life? Not just a season, but a continuance. A continuance. Seek ye the Lord. Go ahead, everybody. While he may be found, call ye up on him while he is near. I believe God visits his people. And gives them an opportunity to do what is right. There's a drawing. There is a moving. You feel compelled. I have learned in my experience of, of God dealing with me. He, he stands at the door and knocks. He doesn't kick the door in and says you're going to get up and pray. He knocks. He speaks in a still small voice in the Old Testament when he moved in the wind and and uh, moved in the wind and, and the fire and, and the earthquake. And he said, I wasn't in it. But when he spoke in a still small voice, because those three things is what he did when he brought the law. But he doesn't deal with us with the thundering of the law. He deals with the body now and the way he would with prophets with the still small voice. What it means is you have to be sensitive to what he is doing. Are you with me? You, 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 you've got to be, if he, if he speaks in a still small voice, you have to be in a quiet place to where he can hear what he's doing. We live in a world that can't sleep without noise. They can't sleep in darkness. We are a busy-minded people. And God, I believe, is speaking all the time, but we're not listening. We've got to get back. There, there's a disconnect in this room today. I think you're scared of the fast. I'm going to present to you the next service. Oh, my God. You went and bought all the groceries you could buy. So you say, if he had told us sooner, I wouldn't have all this food go waste. So the Lord wouldn't want me to waste the steaks and the filet mignon and the, and the cakes. And 
and the Twinkies. <laughs> there is a little bit of a disconnect here today, and it's wrong. Because we want the result without the sacrifice. We want the harvest without the sowing. And I say to you as your pastor with all authority here today that God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he reap. And if you reap in the flesh, you're going to get corruption. If you reap in the spirit, you're going to get life everlasting. It wasn't supposed to be a verse about fear and that, well, if you sin, you got wild oats you're going to reap. No, that's not, I understand the principles there, but the point is, wherever you focus, that's where you're going to have victory. That's what he was saying. That if you fast and pray, I'm going to do what you cannot do. If you sow into your flesh, you're going to get the results of the flesh. But if you sow into the things of the Spirit, prayer, fasting, church, prayer revival, seeking the Lord, getting up and praying, pushing things aside, you will get what I told you you're going to get. If you sow spiritual, you're going to reap spiritual. I'm telling you, there's nothing in hell that can stop a church from having a great harvest and a breakthrough while they're praying. So the devil does everything he can to get you to please your flesh because as long as you're pleasing your flesh, there will be no spiritual result. But you give me somebody that will decrease their flesh, they will see increase in his spirit and that is what this is about. Hallelujah. I'm telling you what I feel in the Holy Ghost. When you begin to seek the Lord, you begin to seek him while he can be found. Call upon him while he's near. He said, verse 7, let the wicked forsake his way. Let the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return unto the Lord and he will have mercy upon him. And to our God for he will abundantly pardon. It is the will of God to pardon those that have done unrighteously. If you will come back to him, he will pardon your sin and give you another opportunity. He sure will. Somebody say amen. Any witnesses in the building that he did that for you? You came back and he didn't push you aside, but he loved you and blessed you. I'm so glad he pardoned my sins. I'm so glad he gave me another opportunity. Come on, I feel a shift in this building right now. And what he's done for you, he's going to do for thousands of others. But he needs somebody to say, I'm going to get spiritual. I'm going to get alone with God. I'm going to have a breakthrough with the Lord. He says in verse 8, Here's the point of spiritual thinking. For my thoughts are not your thoughts. Neither are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. He said, I don't think like you think. I don't, I don't do what you do. You've got to realize if you just do things the way you want to do it, you're going to get your own result. He said, but if you could ever get my mind upon your mind. You can get my desires in you, into your desires. If you could just see how I see and feel how I feel, and love how I love, and walk, it's called grace. That's what grace is. Grace isn't an excuse to continue to sin, to where we say, well, oh, you just come as you are, live as you want to live, because this grace is sufficient. That's not what that means. Shall a man continue in sin that grace may abound? Romans 6, 1, he said, God forbid. This isn't about continuing this sin. It's about grace gives you the power to come out of sin. I'm going to think different than my mom and daddy. I'm going to think different than the life I used to live. I'm going to be different than what I was. God's going to give me the grace to see what he sees, to feel what he feels. 
I'm going to tell you, when you get spiritual and God baptizes you with grace, you start dreaming about blinded eyes being opened and backsliders being saved. and You begin to get hope and you get, I, come to, I know I'm supposed to be teaching, but I come to preach to you. There's a breakthrough on the way and somebody's about to see it. Somebody's about to experience it. Somebody... If you believe it, I want you to stand to your feet and shout, there's a breakthrough coming. There's a breakthrough coming. There's a breakthrough coming. Hallelujah. Amen. Are you willing to bear the burden? Are you willing to do what it takes to become spiritual? You can be seated. The greatest mistake of my pastorate in 16 years now. My single, I've made mistakes because I'm human like you. But my greatest mistake was I thought I was taxing the people and I canceled prayer revival. My single greatest mistake is because I was worried that I was putting too much task on the, on the people back in either 08 or 09. And I saw more things happen in that prayer revival as a pastor on an individual basis in that prayer revival that I worried. People didn't make me feel like I was, you know, you know, you call a prayer revival, not that many people show up. That's just true everywhere. And uh, uh, because we, we magnify church services because we're taught it's customary and we're committed to it. But when it's prayer, it's almost like we, we believe a select few should be the ones that do that. And over the years, in my 16 years of pastoring, uh, you call prayer, and I hadn't always been that way. There's been moments of breakthrough. It didn't matter what we called, everybody showed up. Because their minds weren't on the world. Their minds were spiritually focused on what God was doing. It, it didn't matter if we called prayer on Monday, everybody showed up. Nobody wanted to stay home. If we had a revival, everybody wanted to be there. It didn't matter if it was Saturday or Tuesday. It, it, it was more important, the fish night, family night, sports night. It didn't matter. Because when a church has been revived, the church becomes the most important thing in their life. And what comes out of that is their family starts getting saved, breakthrough starts happening, miracles start taking place because their hearts are toward what God is doing. I don't want this to be a Sunday experience for my family. I don't want this to be a seasonal moment. I want it to where my eyes are on the eastern sky and whatever the Lord is saying, that's what I want to happen in my family. Listen, I haven't come to condemn you. I've come to talk about this today. Is because when our minds become what God wants to do, and I canceled that because I fear of, of, of burdening, that, that it was too much. You work jobs, and, and I, I can make all the excuses as a, as a pastor. But I would say to you that it was the greatest single mistake. Having prayer revivals was the greatest single uh, uh, best thing what we've done is that we gather and we pray. In those moments, God visits our altar. In those moments, heaven would show up. I would see people have, have personally transformed in the midst of prayer. One pastor said he was trying to have revival and grow a church who wasn't growing. And so he stopped every day. He stopped what he was doing and, and uh, he, he, called, he called prayer. And so every day he'd go up in the mountains and he'd pray for eight, eight, eight hours. And, and then he'd come back down, they'd have church service. And, and when they would, he said, what I couldn't do in church service is prayer. Changed it. He said it filled the building up more than we could contain. All the conversions, all the miracles, all the things that happened because the emphasis was put on prayer. I'll never forget, it was uh, uh, James Kilgore had told the story. I was laying in bed one night. Can I bear my soul here for a minute? Amen. That was only, only about 20 of you. Can I bear my soul for a moment? 
and tell you what I really feel. Hey, if, this, if Jesus was coming in August, what would you have wanted to have done in the next three months? What will have really mattered? James Kilgore told, I, I, I'd go to bed at night and I'd listen to preaching. And uh, I'd listen to preaching and I'd go to bed at night. And I'm, we, uh, 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 I'm glad we didn't have social media and things in those days. And we didn't have cable in our home. And, and uh, I'm thankful looking back. And uh, uh, we had tape players. Do you all know what a tape is? Not eight track, but it was tape. And uh, it's amazing people are buying records nowadays, buying records. A few years ago, Lake, I said, what do you want for Christmas? She said, I'd like to have a record player. Aren't we beyond that? It was a tape. And uh, I was listening to preaching. I didn't even know then. I, I pre was preaching at a camp meeting. Somebody reminded me who it was. I, I was listening to preaching and heard a, heard a preacher. He's talking about nothing happening in that church. People would come, but no miracles. He said, I got so tired of it, crawled up into the, sort of like into the attic. I pictured sliding the ceiling tail over actually when I heard it. And he said, I got up there and I started praying. He said, I was so desperate to see God change lives. And, uh, you know, God responds to altars and sacrifice. There's a, you, uh, prayer doesn't move God, it moves you. You don't, you don't fast and God says, you know what? I feel so sorry for him. He's so weak. I'll go ahead and heal his family. That's not how it works. Prayer and fasting causes you to see the way God sees. And when you get the faith to start seeing what God sees, that's where God responds. Faith, prayer and fasting causes you to become spiritual. When you become spiritual, faith enters. Through the spirit enters and faith. And when all of a sudden your, your, your heart aligns with God's heart and it, it creates this flow into your life, what God's always wanted to do. Let me know it's true. When the gospel's preached and the, the light comes on and you humble yourself before the Lord and you turn from things that are not right and holy, all of a sudden you sanctify, all of a sudden you start seeing what God wants to do. When you start seeing it, you start asking, he starts doing it. And uh, he, he got, uh, that's, that's, that's the purpose of prayer and fasting. It's not to get God to feel sorry for you. Weaken yourself so down that Dragging along, and finally, some some equivalent equation of three days, three days of no food and three hours of prayer equals a miracle. That's not in the Bible. Not in the Bible. But if my people, which are called by my name, Second Chronicles seven fourteen, and shall humble themselves, humble means the fast. You 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 humble yourself down to not be prideful. Think the way because sometimes when you think the way you think, it's prideful. Only by pride cometh contention. If you got contention in the home, it's because pride's the root of it. You got contention between you and somebody, pride is the root of it. And what happens when you start humbling yourself before God, it starts removing your, your ideas and pride and things that you have that, that are in you that are wrong because you can think wrong. Your view of God can be wrong. Your view of life can be wrong. Your view of them can be wrong. And when you start humbling yourself through fasting and seeking the Lord, he said, if if my people, which are called by my name, he didn't say the world, but he said, if my people, people that are already called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face. There's a difference in going to church and seeking God. When you start seeking God, you just start turning off noises. You start turning off distractions. You start separating yourself from socialization. How I many know it's true? Yeah. You, 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 you start separating for a season. Why? I want to hear what he's going to do in my family. 
I want to be in alignment so I can pray what I'm supposed to pray. See what I'm supposed to see. Uh, the Lord spoke to me uh, last year and told me, I was, I was in Norway almost one year ago, and the Lord spoke to me and said, when you get back, ask the church what their expectation is. Because whatever you expect, that's what you're going to get. And if you expect no revival, that's what it's going to be. If you expect trouble, it's what it's going to be. Expect everything to go wrong, it's what it's going to be. Because whatever you expect is actually what you have faith in. And some people have more faith in what the devil wants to do than what God wants to do. But when I fast and I pray, it puts me back into alignment that I behold the goodness of God and inquire in his temple. And in that moment, I start seeing what God wants to do and what the devil's not going to get to do. And I start speaking life and I start speaking faith because that's prayer and fasting. Oh, I don't want my family. I don't want my backslidden family. I don't want saints. Hey, I don't want the saints that have left here to have a carnal preacher that think it's just done and over. They should have never walked away. They should have never done this. Oh, no. I want 1 Corinthians chapter 13, the love of God to get in my heart. Amen. And it suffereth long. It, it doesn't envy. Love doesn't boast. It is not proud. It's the love of God. It keeps no record of wrong. It never gives up. I want the love of God to embody my heart, my mind and my spirit to say it's not over yet. I don't care what you've done or where you've been. It's not over. That's what I'm talking about is loving like he loves and seeing what he sees. Somebody shout my thoughts my ways. He said they're not like the Lord. Verse 9 says for as the heavens are higher as the heavens are higher than the earth. Do you see that? Are higher than the earth. So are my ways higher than your ways. How many believe that? He said, in my thoughts than your thoughts. For as the rain cometh down and the snow from heaven. Well, amen. I'm glad we had a little snow. And the snow from heaven. The rain comes from the heaven. The snow cometh down. And returneth not thither. Rains, not drops, just not going to go up the opposite direction. No, he said, and returneth not thither, but watereth the earth, and maketh it bring forth and bud, that it may give seed to the sower and bread to the eater. He says, so shall my word be that goeth forth out of my mouth. It shall not return unto me void. But it shall accomplish that which I please, and it shall prosper in the thing whereto I sent it. It's not going back. It's going to do exactly what I said it's going to do. And I come to tell somebody that has a prophecy over your children, you better not look in despair. If God said he's going to sanctify, if God said he's going to preserve, if God said he's going to bring them back, I wouldn't accept one false lie from your flesh or the devil and I would get into alignment and say it shall come to pass God's going to make a way how many believe God's bigger than any circumstance bigger than any sin bigger than any problem God is going to make a way you know what your children need they need you to be spiritual not just available they need you to be spiritual. They need you to be able to believe when they can't. They need you to be righteous when they're not. They need you to be focused when they're confused. 
They need you to be stable when they are unstable. They need you to be the rock when they're building on sands. They need you to be focused. I come to tell you, amen, if you see your brother overtaken in a fault, ye who are spiritual, there's moments people don't listen to what you say. You can't correct somebody that's not going to listen. You can't reach for somebody that's their heart, their ears not towards you. Anybody ever try to reach for somebody that didn't want to hear from you? It hurt my feelings. I've, I've come to realize people don't want to hear from you. I have. I've reached for people I thought, you know, went away, and some people did, and, uh, you know, I've come to realize there's some people don't want to hear anything i got to say. You know why? Because their heart is away from the Lord. And it is. Uh, Brother, Brother Cody Marks told me the other day, he said that he was, he, he realized that when a person has a heart attack, it affects their hearing. And in study, they revealed that hearts are directly connected to the ears. And that when the heart gets damaged, it affects the hearing of the person. Because when the heart's not right, you don't hear what you're supposed to hear. And it could be very possible that in this room today, there's people that you're, you're listening, but you're not hearing. And why? Because our heart's so full of carnality or the world or what we want. Maybe not sin, but you don't have to be... You don't, you don't have to necessarily say be committing terrible sin to be carnal, just not spiritual. And when you are carnal, you are being led by your flesh and not by his spirit. Uh, are y'all getting with getting what I'm saying? You, you, can, you, you can be faithful to your spouse, not have cuss words coming out of your mouth, not looking at bad things, and be carnal. Why? Because you're being led by the flesh and not by his spirit. And the Bible says in Romans 8, 1, There is therefore now no condemnation to them that walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. And I have to stop here today and ask you, which one are you following, your flesh or him? And the whole purpose of fasting is to stop following what my ways and my thoughts and my plans and what I wanted and what my career would be and where I will go to school and what I'm going to do and, and what I'm going to do this week. And it, that, that's my flesh. But when I get spiritual, I start hearing God, you know, I think I need to do this. If you make a decision, you make it during fasting and prayer. Not when you ate 14 pieces of pie. Consumed by all the Hollywood and and every all oh, you you separate yourself from hobbies and things like that, and you get along with God. That's where you make your decisions because your flesh will deceive you. Everybody say, "Ye who are spiritual." It says, "So shall my word be that goeth forth out of my mouth. It shall not return unto me void, but it shall accomplish that which I please, and it shall prosper in the thing whereunto I sent it." For ye shall go out with joy and be led forth with peace. The mountains and the hills shall break forth before you into singing and all the trees of the field shall clap their hands. Instead of the thorns shall come up the fir tree. Instead of the briars shall come up the myrtle tree. And it shall be to the Lord for a name, for an everlasting sign that shall not be cut off. He said, if you will do it my way, I'm going to get rid of some things in your life that are troubling you. He was just saying it this way. If you'll seek my way, it's easier than doing it your way. Y'all soaking it in? Intercession, intercession is, is, is a place to where you begin to feel about things the way God does. Romans 8, 26. Likewise, the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities, for we know not what we should pray for as we ought. There are moments we don't know what to pray for. We don't know how to pray. Getting in a place of intercession is where 
God sort of takes over in your prayer and you start praying what He would want you to pray. Not what you want to pray. He says, but the Spirit itself maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. He that searcheth the hearts knoweth what is the mind of the Spirit because he maketh what? Intercession for the saints according to the will of uh, according to the will of God. And you can pray and not touch heaven. Let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be. You can pray out of order. You can pray prayers that are your will, not his will. You can pray from a carnal perspective. You can pray and he not answer. Just because you want it doesn't mean it's what he's want. Intercession is a place to where you get spiritual alone with God and um, alone with God. Brother Sister Brown, would you come and help me for a minute? I've, I've taught this before here because in the next, next few weeks, in the next few weeks, you're going to become, and don't walk out here saying I'm not saying you're not spiritual, but all of us. Always like sheep can go astray. Let me know that. Stop going to church. Guess what? You're going to become carnal before you become sinful. Go to church, not respond to the word. You'll become carnal and become sinful. It's just true. And need what? Revival. I want to get to a place we don't need a revival. We see the results of revival. A building filled with people, people pulling the parking lot, nowhere to park. Because the results of revival is always conversions, people being saved, backsliders coming home. That's the product of revival. And what happens is in an intercessor, um, Brother Cody, come here for a minute, if you will. The the role of an intercessor, or we call we say prayer warrior, I just say a believer that wants God to move in their life, um, I want you, you come here and just kneel here as a place of prayer. He, he, uh, he's praying. You're going to, uh, Brother Brown on this side, Sister Brown, just stand over there. And what happens is an intercessor is a person that spans the gap. An interstate is a road that connects more than one state. That's right. Not like a county road. An interstate is going to connect two states. And it, you can go back and forth between two states on an interstate because an intercessor is standing between God and the person that needs God. The situation that needs God. And there's a moment that the prayer person of prayer, they, they, they are getting along with God. And while they're getting along with God, number one, they are reaching for the Lord. Brother Brown, you're going to represent the Lord here today. Brother, Brother Cody, would you reach up toward the Lord on this side? They're reaching up toward the Lord. And what you have to stand, let's stretch yourself a little bit, Brother Brown. What you have to realize is that this person is getting to a place of spirituality so they can feel the way he feels. That's the whole purpose of becoming spiritual. 
you start feeling the way he feels because his ways are higher and his thoughts are higher. So the goal of fasting and prayer is to separate from his flesh, from his culture, from his desires, his ways and his thoughts become spiritual so he can feel how about things the way God feels about things. And when that happens, this is where intercession kicks in. Because all of a sudden, he's going to get the burden of the Lord to them. He is going to take on emotions that don't belong to him. He's going to feel the love of God for them or even the wrath of God. The Bible says, who shall stand in the gap that will pray for the people that my wrath is against? He said, I looked for someone, but there was no one to stand in the gap. The gap is between what they've done, what they need, and only what God can forgive. Let me remind you today that he's slow to anger and he's quick to forgive. He said, I will not hold my anger forever. But with sin comes judgment. With sin comes chaos. With sin comes regret. With sin comes emotion. With sin comes hopelessness. But all of a sudden, this man is praying. Or a lady is praying. And they have fasted and pushed stuff from the table. They've turned off the screens. They've separated from hobbies and activities. And they get along with God for a season. And all of a sudden, Lord, I want what you want. I desire God. I want to see the way you see. I want to feel the way you feel. And all of a sudden, the spirit of the Lord, because God is not a man that he can be mocked. God is a spirit and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. And all of a sudden the spirit of the Lord moves upon his mind. Moves upon his spirit. Tears begin to run down his face. And he says, oh God, my generation needs a breakthrough. Oh Lord, my family needs a breakthrough. Oh God, there's a person that hadn't been here. And all of a sudden in his spirit he starts reaching, reaching for the need and he feels brokenness and, and loneliness and despair. He starts feeling people that feel condemned and unworthy to be at the house of God. And he starts praying, oh God, would you reach so and so? Would you soften the heart of my brother? Would you touch my niece or my nephew? Oh God, they're in trouble. And all of a sudden what passes through him is their need for God and God's ability and love and mercy to change their situation. Situation. That is an intercessor. That's intercession. Those prayers are not professional. Those prayers are groanings that said cannot be understood. All of a sudden, you hear from a prayer room. You hear groanings because the emotions that are passing through the servant, the, the emotions that are passing through the intercessor are both painful and kind. They're both broken and stable. There's both hopelessness and hope. It's unbelief and faith. You begin to embrace both on the highway of intercession, but there's something that happens. The miracle begins to come through the prayer warrior and the person that's lost wakes up and says, what is happening right now? I think I'm going to go home. I think I'm going to, I think I'll return to the house of God. Hallelujah. That is intercession. 
It's intercession. It's intercession. It's intercession. And my question to you today, if you want to be an intercessor, you've got to step out of culture. He that enters the prayer closet. Prayer, fashion, and alms. That was the three things in Matthew 6. If you seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, he said all these things shall be added. I'm going to take care of your needs if you'll just get spiritual. I'm going to take care of the physical if you'll get spiritual. I'm going to to take care of the temporal if you'll just think eternal. But I need you to fast. I need you to pray. I need you to give alms. That is helping the needs that somebody can't help themselves. He said, I need you to get alone with me. And he that enters into the prayer closet, and he's there in secret, I will reward openly. The power of an intercessor. Is simply, I'm going to be devoted to getting spiritual so I can see the supernatural. Hallelujah. Can't love football and like prayer. You can't love hobbies and like prayer. You can't love entertainment and like prayer. You've got to love his presence. I say everything else is secondary. Social, socialization with family, socialization with friends. There's a season that I've got to step away and I'm going to put the things of God before my own desires. Again, can you say amen? Be seated. I've got three minutes. Just, just remain. Just y'all stay here. You don't have to hold hands. I know it's awkward. I've been the example many times for preachers and they forgot about me for 45 minutes in a long-winded sermon. I was on the way to a camp meeting in Ohio. I've been seeking the Lord, alone with the Lord. And uh, the closer I got to the Ohio camp meeting, the more uncomfortable I became. And uh, in my emotions, feeling so troubled, I became irritable and uh, grouchy. And the closer I got to Ohio Buckeye camp meeting in Middleport, the more troubled I was. I told my wife, I said, I don't even want to go. I wish I was home today. I just don't want to be here. And uh, I think at one point, as a good wife could, she said, I'm starting to wish you'd stayed home. She was being honest with me. And uh, I told you pretty grumpy and you keep complaining. And... Uh, Oh, I'm perfect in all my ways. She was the one that was wrong. I just want to say, you know, I'm teasing. But I was very, very uncomfortable. And uh, I get into the meeting, and I don't want to be there. I was sitting near the back of the campground, and uh, I am as empty emotionally, spiritually as you can imagine. But praise and worship started. I got on my feet, I clapped my hands, I waved my hands, sang the songs. I wasn't being a hypocrite because the Bible says make a joyful noise. I was just trying to find a joyful noise. I clapped my hands and I worshiped and nobody would have seen me except my wife that knew exactly how I felt. During the praise and worship, they stopped and said, Brother Pamer's daughter has had a breakthrough. We're so excited what God has done. Because of my friend, the Bible says rejoice with them that rejoice. I got out of my seat and I took off running down the aisle. I didn't feel a thing. Because worship is not contingent on emotion. It's contingent on knowledge he's good. I didn't feel good. It doesn't make him not good.
Spiritual immaturity is worshiping God based on your emotion. Going to church based upon how you feel. Spiritual maturity is worshiping God and going to church and praying because of knowledge and knowing. I don't have to feel it to do it. Come on. I'm just going to do it. I'm going to pray because he's good. I'm going to worship because he's on the throne. I'm going to go to church because I know he wants me to. Oh, clap your hands. Clap your hands. That's it. Let's stand to our feet and worship him because he is good. I don't want to finish this story next week. Remain standing. Oh, how, how many want to be that in 2024? I'm not emotionally driven. I am knowledge driven. I'm faith driven. I'm word driven. I'm going to be a committed driven. I'm going to be covenant driven. I get, I get down to that altar and I'm worshiping. I am dancing before the Lord. Thank you for touching. Thank you, Lord, for touching Grayson. Thank you, God, for touching today. I worship you and I thank you, Lord, for your goodness. And all of a sudden, the Lord said to me, the reason you feel the way you feel is because this is the, this is the emotion of this camp meeting. He said to my spirit, he said, east winds have come and have taken things and what seems promises of the believers that have gathered into this meeting tonight. And they feel here exactly the way you feel in your spirit. And I have allowed you to feel their spirit tonight. He said, but my west wind is about to visit this camp meeting tonight and everything they've lost emotionally and spiritually is going to be restored in this camp meeting. See, at that moment, everything that I felt troubled about left me and then every good fruit of the Spirit fulfills me, Brother Noah. And I know that I have stood in the gap. I have bore through an intercessor's uh, role as a priest, which means a bridge. True priesthood is a bridge between divinity and humanity, God and people. Bridge, that's what you become as an intercessor, a bridge. Everybody say a bridge. I've been the bridge for that camp meeting. I wasn't a speaker, I was just an attendee. All of a sudden, after God gave me a word, now I'm just in the crowd, I'm just in the foyer, I, I'm, excuse me, I'm just in the, in, um, among the crowd. They stop the service and, and the MC points me out and said, come up here. He said, I want you to sing this song. He knew something was on me, he didn't know what was on me. I got up, he didn't ask me to speak. He didn't ask me to prophesy. He asked me to sing. So you know what I did? I'm submitted. I just sang. I sang the song, whatever they were singing. And I got done singing. People were worshiping. I laid the microphone down, went down, started worshiping. I had a word from the Lord. He stopped the service again. He called the superintendent said, come here. He said, would you pray over the people? Superintendent didn't have it. <laughs> he gave it to me for whatever reason. All of a sudden, Behind me, I felt hands come up like this and a very apostolic man who is now who's going to be our, our preacher tonight, Brother Jim Stark, who was not our superintendent at the moment. He said to me, did the Lord give you, did God give you a word for the Lord for this camp meeting? I said, yes, he did. He said, the Lord revealed to me that he has spoken to you tonight. Oh, God. I'm going to tell you what's about to happen. In the next five weeks, God's going to show up in your altar and he's going to start speaking to you. Oh, yes, he is. I prophesy it is going to happen. 
It will not come without sacrifice. It will not come without emotions, emotional things that do not belong to you. And all of a sudden, the MC of the service, Brother Ken Dillingham, he looked down. He said, well, everybody's worshiping. He said, did the Lord get you? I said, yes, sir. I stood up in the pulpit. I said, thus saith the Lord. When I did, the room was freed because of a prophetic word that came from an intercessor's moment. And there are people that have had trouble and have been overtaken and they have been taken captive by the enemy. And the thing that's going to get them out is somebody that will stand in the gap and say, I'll turn it off. I'm getting alone with God. I'm going to let God operate through my faith, my prayer, my passion, my altar. Come on, I know what time it is, but God's doing something in this room right now. Oh, I feel something happening right now. I feel a breakthrough coming. But it will not come without the altar. It will not come without prayer. It will not come without sacrifice. I have a question for the anchor church on the first day, the first Sunday of 2024. Are you willing to bear the burden of your fallen brother? Bear ye one another's burden and so fulfill the law of Christ. I don't want to be a church goer, Pastor. I want to be a burden bearer. Pastor, I don't want to just go to church. I want to be an intercessor. Lord, this year I'm going to stand in the gap between you and somebody. Is there anybody here what I'm teaching and preaching right now? It's the power. It's the power of prayer. Is there anybody in this room that says, I want to make a covenant. I am going to be the burden bearer. Is there anybody in this room that can respond to the teaching of his word and said, I'm going to be one that's going to think like him. I'm going to get spiritual. Come on, if it's you, I think you ought to lift your voice for a moment and pray. This altar is open. This altar is open. I've got a word from the Lord in the next service, I promise you. This altar is open. This intermittent moment between our first word and family worship, I think somebody ought to get on their knees and say, God, that's who I'm going to be. Come on, young person. Come on, elder. It's who I'm going to be. Somebody's dependent on me. There's a city that's dependent upon intercession and prayer. I know there's a price to pay, but it's worth it. Thanks again for listening to the Anchor Church Podcast. If you enjoyed it, make sure you subscribe so you can keep up on our weekly sermons. If you're in the Zanesville area, we invite you to join us on Sundays. You can find all the details on our website at theanchor.church. Again, thanks so much for listening, and we hope to see you soon.